this has rallied our whole network, right? It gives, you know, when people ask what, what can they do, this is what they can do. Right. And, you know, it's, you don't, we don't need cookies at, on our front step. We don't need, you know, chili in our freezer. We, you know, we don't need a Grubhub gift card. We need, we need, uh, we need our community to be behind what the Lila Mead Foundation does. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Lila Bean Foundation podcast, Purpose, Passion, Progress. I'm Derek Danik, an LBF Ambassador Council member and one of your hosts for this journey. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John Paul Persard. JP, how are we doing? Good. What's up, Derek? We're recording in the evening, which is, I'm not going to lie, throwing me off a little bit. We've been uh-huh. a, a morning podcast. Right. It's like getting past my bedtime. I'm getting old, Derek. You know, these <laughs> late podcasts, you know. Energy's running low. Hey, well, it'll still be a good one. We're going to have the cornos on. It's going to be great. They're going to be very fun, very high energy. So um, what we're doing on today's episode is we've had conversations with Dr. Rude, with Nicole. We talked with Jerry from CBTN in our last episode, and we're going to kind of pivot back to the family perspective. Um, And I think that's going to be really interesting and, and talk with the cornos about what it's like to, to find community through LBF and, and how finding that community has helped their family. Yeah, this, getting back to the patient perspective and how the impact and all, all that good stuff, I think is super important. A big part of this dialogue and conversation is helping you know, the folks out there in virtual land understand what families have to deal with and, and work through you know, when they get a diagnosis. I mean, it's a very important part of the narrative, the story. And in Canada, it helps fuel us, you know, to go find dollars to help these kids so that, you know, as we move forward, having a, you know, patient perspective is super patient and family, I should say, perspective. It's, it's really, really important. Now, real quick, before we bring the cornos into the conversation, for our friends tuning in who might not know what Lila Bean is, we're a 501c3 nonprofit that focuses on raising funds for research that will advance treatments to create better outcomes for children diagnosed with brain cancer. The end goal of the Lila Bean Foundation is to help fund a cure for pediatric brain cancer. We're very excited to be joined by Stewie and Andy Corno, parents of LBF hero Cameron. Welcome to you both. We're thrilled to have you joining us on this episode. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. So let's jump right in. Stewie and Andy, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Both of us are are native Washingtonians. Um, We met not long after she was she had graduated from UNC, uh, and I had I was a few years out of Georgetown. And when we we got married, we were actually living on the West Coast, and then moved back to um, you know build build a foundation in in the area where where our family is, which is here. Let's not forget the most important next thing that happened is our babies. So yeah, we moved back to the East Coast. We got uh, I was in grad school when I got pregnant, and we had our first child, Cameron, a girl, and. August 2018. Um, and like Andy said, we were back living in Georgetown and everything was great. You know, normal, normal first kid stuff, typical healthy kid, new parents, all that fun stuff. Um, and then fast forward 18 months later, she was diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, and then, you know, later on our second child came, but yeah, so we have, we have two little girls. Wonderful. And I want to talk a little bit about Cameron. So this was 2020 when she was diagnosed, correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. And kind of that was right at the start of the pandemic. So 
just fast, I couldn't imagine ever hearing the words, but to hear them at that time, what was going through your minds? Yeah, I mean, March 2020, believe it or not, it was Friday the 13th. She had her first symptom, which her only symptom was vomiting um, off and on for a couple of weeks before she was then diagnosed March 27th. And again, like the, the timing is crazy. The same week that we found out I was pregnant with our second kid, we also found out daycare was closing for this two week shutdown. And then, you know, a couple of pediatrician visits, an ER visit, and then finally admitted to the hospital, lots of tests. It was two weeks from her first symptom. And again, her only symptom was vomiting, which was actually due to the hydrocephalus and where the tumor was, but we found out she had brain cancer. And of course, like you mentioned, super weird time. I had been in the hospital for a few days at that point, you know, it was hard for mom to leave. And it was only one parent they're allowing because of COVID. So it was a really odd time to be uh, going through a diagnosis. Obviously there's no good time, but we couldn't be together until things got really scary, uh, which was emergency surgery. And, you know, where there was months before we even hugged our parents. So like Andy said, we all, all this family around and moved back to the East coast to be near family, to have kids. And I mean, obviously we felt their presence in so many ways, but to not be like able to physically hug them was, is a weird thing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, yeah, the isolation, we all felt it, but to be isolated during something so traumatic, I, I can't imagine. I was looking at the LBF website and on Cameron's like hero page, you had written about like the toxicity and the, the problems there. Could we jump into that a little bit? We were given, you know, a, a few options. Um, well, really, <laughs> uh, not many options when it comes to the, the, the types of treatments that would rid her of, of, of her tumor and the cancer that she had. Um, at first we were, we were told that, um, the most important thing was her growth that referred to as a gross total resection, um, which meant that in her second surgery, they, they felt with 99, you know, point whatever confidence that they had removed all of, or close enough to all of the tumor that they felt that it was considered a gross total resection. So that was number one. Number two was, you know, the first, the first real true treatment she went through was, was radiation and pro, proton beam radiation. Um, she was under sedation every day for, I believe it was six or eight straight weeks, seven, uh, seven, seven straight weeks, Monday through Friday. Um, you know, she was extremely, extremely tired and somewhat lethargic afterwards, but, you know, generally speaking was, was able to somewhat bounce back from, from those treatments. Those treatments were you know, a bit scary. Um, but ultimately as a, as a little one, she handled it, you know, extremely well. Um, there was a significant amount of evidence that in order to further combat and further kill anything that might be remaining in her, her body, that a chemotherapy treatment plan was, was, was something that proved to be, um, to prove to have some results. And, um, ultimately we wanted, 
the best for her and felt that that was the best for her. So a number of whatever it was, weeks or months later, after she had recovered from the intense radiation, she underwent um, chemotherapy. Um, you know, in short, it was complete hell. Um, you know, we lived at the, you know, on the edge of our seats every day for, 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 you know, every month that she continued through chemo. It was like, a, it was like Groundhog Day. Um, you know, she would get admitted for inpatient, be relatively okay. We would come home, whether it was 24 hours. Within two or three days, always. Spike, spike a fever of some sort, be in some sort of infection. So, I mean, the things that she got while going through that are, are things that you read about in National Geographic. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not fun stuff um, from stomach things. I mean, to, so much that we were stuck in the room. They wouldn't let her leave the room with that type of whatever insert virus. So it was a it was a very challenging time. Again, an interesting kind of twist to it all is um, I was pregnant and I think rightfully so. They kind of have to scare you before you start any of these drugs because they are that serious. And, and, you know, in some sense, it is kind of like poison. And to go back on, you know, something Nicole talked about and um, was talked about in the previous podcast, like about the these are drugs meant for adults, right? They're super toxic. So there's so much they don't know about what it will do to a young child and try an 18 month old, right? So um, that was something that really hit me. And again, as a pregnant mom, I mean, I couldn't change her diaper when I was pregnant or nursing. And, and it was just such an interesting complexity of the toxicity of the drugs. Kind of going back on one of your earlier questions about like her journey and treatment journey and all that, like, I mean, she um, had three brain surgeries in, in 12 days and was intubated and had to, you know, like start over, right? Like relearn how to eat and swallow and drink and talk and sit and walk and all those things. And I mean, she was so weak and lost weight and obviously lost her hair and all that stuff. And then to see her even just six months later while on metronomic chemo meds, like it's amazing how much she was able to recover. So, I mean, obviously these drugs are super toxic and that's terrifying. There's something really special and inspiring about watching kids when they are able to recover, right? Like given the chance and the diagnosis that allows for that, it's it's pretty unbelievable to see that process and get to kind of relive some of those moments through Cameron. Stu, as you were talking there, it just reminded me of something that Dr. Rude said to Bev and I early on in Jack's journey where, you know, you're kind of looking for a bright light, some hope, something to kind of you know, get some energy around and, you know, he looked me dead in the eye and said, you know, one, one of the things you got going for you is that he's a young child. The strength and endurance and resiliency medically, physically is, is on your side. The things that he'll go through, you know, adults just wouldn't be able to physically or mentally endure. And I, I will remember that until I go to the bare world or whatever in that, you know, you, you don't even comprehend that in the moment but when you actually see them go through their their different journeys you know it, it's absolutely true and you know the other thing you know relative to endurance there's such a different cascade of treatments whether it's surgery radiation chemotherapy different regimens that they're all you know 
the more that we can invest in treatments that reduce the toxicity of the of the the medicines um, or the procedures, you know, the better off and or the you know the better outcomes we'll get. So it's not again. We we brought this up in a, I forget which episode, but you know, it's not just all about cures. It's about how do we help these children live and and thrive, and and obviously we all want cures, but you know, how do we improve the the toxicity and the state of the medicines we have today? And you know, I think we're making some some progress there, or, or will be. And I think that's honestly the biggest surprise when I talk to other like moms and parents that aren't in this world, like. It, obviously a cure is the end game. Uh, everybody knows that, but the develop less toxic treatments, develop treatments meant for children. Like that's, that's a piece of the advocacy that unless you're in it, I just don't think people know, you know? And I think that is something that like shocks me, but all at the, you know, on the other side of the coin, I, I didn't know that before uh, I was in this situation. So I think that's it big surprise to a lot of people. Yeah. And Stewie, you brought up advocacy. So I think that's perfect chance to, to jump to our next question. So as Cameron's going through her treatment in time, you find the Lila Bean community and you both have been a big part of recent events. Can you tell us how you got connected with the Lila Bean Foundation and how this community has impacted your family? Yeah. So it was actually, I got connected through a mutual friend to Nicole. One of those things like super random I don't really believe in coincidences. I feel like clearly there was something bigger at play here for us to connect. And actually, I feel like I, I heard this, Derek, on one of the previous podcasts. I've been stalking you guys um, about how you were looking for an, an, you know, a cause to really get behind. And I kind of felt like that too. I'm like, I had been blessed with, you know, a pretty great life. And I have just supported a lot of random charities, but I didn't have that, that one that really got me excited, you know, to get behind. And um, I feel like that was kind of what was at play here. Of course, JP always talk about like the unfortunate slash fortunate thing about meeting Nicole, right? Uh, and I feel that's the unfortunate, fortunate thing about being a cancer parent. Like you meet all these incredible parents and you, and you know, part of that is then meeting all, you know, learning about all these charitable organizations out there. And there's so many, I mean, there's, you know, organizations that fed us in the hospital that, you know, sent us groceries, helped us pay hospital bills, like you name it, it's out there and it's incredible. And honestly, we couldn't have gotten through the journey without them. And I can't even remember all the names, but I'm so grateful. But then, um, I don't know, something about when I met with Nicole, like we became, you know, cancer mom friends first, because that's how she is. And I had no idea about Lila Bean until we were like, you know, a couple coffee dates in, <laughs> And I kind of probed her on it. And then she told me about it. And I was so struck by the research aspect. And it really just got me so excited. And maybe it's because I've got like a data tech background, but I don't know. I just, I feel like maybe none of, like, you know, all of this could have been mitigated with a cure or less toxic treatments, right? I mean, in a perfect world, of course. So I think like going for the charity that really is like, hitting the most important thing uh, on the head and making that the sole mission of Lila Bean. And um, it's just something that got me really excited. And I've become super passionate about the pediatric brain cancer research. I mean, so much says that I was just telling you guys about the, the brain cancer research charity. That is the reason I decided to hike the Grand Canyon on a whim. And then my, my husband's been amazing at just, um, he's been so supportive and 
you know, dove right in with me and, you know, got involved in the golf tournament. The other thing that really resonates with, with LBF is that, you know, unfortunately over the past, you know, six or eight or 12 months, however long it's been, I've seen and witnessed other friends go through something similar, you know, with a diagnosis. And it's amazing when you're in the position of supporting someone else, how, how, how hard it is to figure out how to support someone. Um, there were particular friends of ours throughout our, our, you know, journey that really stuck out and, and, you know, were just really good at, and, and, at, and knew how to support, a, a, a parent or, uh, you know, parents going through something like this, but most importantly, this is, this has rallied our whole network, right? It gives, you know, when people ask what, what can they do, this is what they can do. Right. And, you know, it's, you don't, we don't need cookies at, on our front step. We don't need, you know, chili in our freezer. We, you know, we don't need a Grubhub gift card. We need, we need, uh, we need our community to be behind what the Lila Bean Foundation does. And um, that's something that's excited both Stewie and I, um, that, you know, there, there is a, there is a unifying, um, you know, place to, to all gather and, and support an, an incredible cause that we all want to, you know, the success of. And, um, but also, you know, really one central mission, right? Yeah. That's a great point. Cause we moved during the pandemic and our neighbors like very slowly started finding out about camera. I mean, obviously she was bald, but, um, it wasn't the first thing that we told people. And, uh, the, you know, people kept saying, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And it's pretty unbelievable. I'm not, you know, I guess the event chair for the fall ball next month. And I would say 80%, 90% of the committees are our neighbors. I mean, talk about community and that's very, you know, similar to how LBF is and the strong community there. And just, how our community was like, that's how we're going to show up for you. That's how you need to be supported. Yeah. And it's not just the dollars. It's, it's people willing to, to put up their time, right. Planning an event like fall ball. It, it doesn't happen in a week. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, so on that topic, can you tell us a little bit about what folks can expect from fall ball this year? Yeah. So really our first introduction to the organization was when she asked us if we would be willing to accept the Jack Preston Courage Award. And I remember like being so excited. And so that was our first event. And, and I, she encouraged us to bring our people. So we brought some friends and family and um, it was pretty awesome. Like Andy said, the amount of people that showed up for us and Cameron and that event just, um, it was incredible. It's, it's really powerful to have a group of people that come together with this same side passion. Oh, like I mentioned, um, but also just like to have a really fun time, but also like be inspired. And, you know, we all want to do something more for these kids, kids like Jack, Lila and Cameron. Right. And I, you know, obviously there's people in the room, there's the virtual component, there's, um, you know, this inspiring program, but also a dance party. And it just, it has the right amount of just like, really fun, really inspiring, just how it brings together like these two things that, um, 
get me really excited. And that's like the technology and research aspect of it. And then to like bring it together and have a huge party to raise a ton of money so they can go do more of that and really, you know, uh, make more progress is really exciting. So definitely go attend. It's going to be so fun that you can attend in person or virtual and great auction items that you can bid on days before. So it'll be a great time. Wonderful. And again, we've mentioned it, www.lilabeanfoundation.com. That's uh, your place for all things LBF, all things fall ball. Check it out. And um, yeah, it's going to be an awesome event. So what I want to do now, I want to move towards kind of wrapping things up. And I want to thank you both for the energy you've brought to LBF. Uh, it's awesome. It's incredible. Um, we've said it a number of times how something so tragic uh, can bring families together, can bring communities together. Uh, it's incredible. So as we close, what do you guys hope comes from telling Cameron's story? I think most importantly, I think what we hope for is to raise awareness. You know, I think second, um, to to use her in, 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 as, as an inspiration, um, you know, whether, whether it's something with, that you're dealing with personally or something you think you can't do, um, uh, to, you know, use her as an inspiration. I think that's the one underlying sort of message that from all the millions of people that we've talked to throughout this past, how, how much of an inspiration she is. And, um, you know, we hope that, you know, sharing her story, telling her story continues to, you know, spread the awareness, which ultimately, you know, results in better treatments, less toxic treatments, more giving parents more options um, in the, 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 the environment when they're in the environment of dealing with something like this. Um, and the more people that hear her story, the more people that know about it. And obviously it's a snowball effect. And, um, you know, she's a brave little girl and, you know, tons of fun to watch, watch dance around that dance floor. So um, hopefully that inspires some, some more people this year to, you know, go a little deeper into those pockets of theirs. <laughs> <laughs> and just to add to that, I mean, I feel like I've been saying it from the beginning, eternal optimists over here, but I know something good is, is, has come of this and will come of this. And I have to see it that way. Right. Like I just, I mean, I, I would never wish this on anyone, you know, the things that Jack, Lila, Cameron, others have been through is no child should ever have to go through, obviously, but I think that when you do go through something like this as a family, as a parent, you live your life differently, right? Like Andy was saying, like you're inspired by a 18 month old. Uh, I think just um, inspiring others, like Andy said, to just live courageously like Jack and, you know, live and, you know, find the positive and fun like Cameron, right? And just, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm very convinced that something good is, is, coming of all of this. And I'm really excited about kind of that intersection of where technology is going and the data sets that, you know, CBTI and, you know, other organizations that Lila Bean supporting are getting and what they're going to be able to do with that. And I just, I'm so hopeful that something big is going to happen and something good is going to come of all of this. Absolutely. And yeah, our last episode with Jerry from CBTN, I mean, it's the data's there, it's coming back. There's I think she said it. the The answer is in here. We just need to get uh, the the data into the right hands and allow the researchers, or to use Dr. Rude's phrase, use let the investigators 
do their part. Let them, let them get in there and figure it out. Yeah. I just got chills. <sighs> yep. So if we can use, you know, our story to inspire others and give them the funds they need so they can go do the work that they studied to do, then that's great. You know? Well, Stewie and Andy, thank you so much for being on the, the show with us. It's wonderful to talk to you guys. And for me personally, it's wonderful to get to know you a little bit more. I've seen you around and um, golf tournament and, and, you know, Cameron just, she's a little rock star. Uh, the golf tournament, she had, she was holding court with everybody. I saw the pictures from the 5k. Um, so again, hopefully telling these stories, we can, we can drive, drive things along. Definitely. And full circle is Lila obviously from Lila Bean, uh, babysat Cameron today. So that was kind of cool, cool moment. I'm sure they'll be sharing the stage in November. So that's, I'm excited that they've become buddies. That is awesome. Perfect note to end on. All right, JP, wonderful conversation there with Stewie and Andy. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. I enjoy all of these episodes. I think they're They've all, they've all got their own message and theme. Some themes are connected. You know, uh, I guess just from my journey, I'm especially connected to different patient stories and the cornos, obviously. It's similar to Jack's on, on many regards. And I think, you know, as we soldier on in these podcasts, you know, the listening audience out there hearing the stories that um, exist and the stories focused on how these children endure so much, whether it's chemo, radiation, surgeries, infections. I yeah, and Stewie brought up uh, the Courage Award that's given each year at Fall Ball. So I want to talk about that. It's arguably the most important thing we do at Fall Ball, and and that is the Jack Preston Broussard Courage Award. And can you tell listeners a, a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we've been doing about 10 years and I, I would tell you, I think it really encapsulates the event itself. You know, what we wanted to do um, a while ago was to really um, honor um, patients, doctors, families, people that had kind of faced into this, this disease with courage and dignity and focus moving forward, you know, and um, Nicole and I created the Jack Preston Courage Award because I think it really encapsulates Jack's journey, you know, what he had to endure. And every year we we recognize, you know, an, an individual that show those traits. And I think Stewie did a great job talking about what the four ball is. And I think all of that is encapsulated in, in this award. At the end of the day, we're here to honor um, folks that are navigating this disease and uh, with courage. Mm -hmm. And it's scary, right? We've, we've talked about it from a number of perspectives, the, the toxicity, the, the fear of the unknown, talk to doctors, talk to families, talk to foundations, and it takes real courage to, to face this. And um, I think what we're going to do in, in next episode, actually, is we're going to talk with folks from day one biopharmaceutical and it's a company that Nicole mentioned um, in her episode. And I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation. So um, just a little teaser, Day One is a pharmaceutical company that is focused on kids first, right? On pediatric drugs. And I think that's kind of a little counter to a lot of what we've heard. It's, it's not necessarily the norm from pharma companies. Um, so that's going to be a really good conversation. 
Well, JP, it's getting late. It is time for bed. And just another reminder for folks, get those fall ball tickets, www.lilabeanfoundation.com. Tickets are going to be on sale until November 2nd. Uh, and early bird pricing will go until October 18th. Um, so get those tickets while you're out there. Dig into the materials. There's a lot of information out there. Check out the heroes pages. We talked about Cameron. Um, see some of those other kids out there and consider becoming an 11 for 11 member. So um, with that, we'll we'll see you next time when we chat with day one biopharmaceutical. Awesome. Thanks, Derek. See you, everyone. For children's cancer. If they're going to find a cure, the doctors have to do research and there needs to be money. Mm-hmm.